I'm Cameron Strang, and welcome to Unedited. My guest today is author, speaker, and lawyer, Bob Goff. My fascination with Bob started when I read his book, Love Does, six years ago. It tells the story of this guy who spent 16 days in the Pacific Ocean with five guys and a crate of canned meat. A father that took his kids on a world tour to eat ice cream with heads of state. A guy that pursued his wife for three years before she agreed to date him. A student whose grades weren't good enough to get into law school, so he sat on a bench outside the dean's office for seven days until they finally let him enroll. Bob Goff seemed like Santa Claus and Jesus wrapped up in a tall, white-haired, larger-than-life lawyer from San Diego. But more than that, the lessons his life revealed in the book showed the importance of love and honestly, strategic whimsy. It's not very often you get to meet your heroes. But the year after I read Love Does, I got an invitation from a mutual friend to Bob's Lodge in the middle of nowhere, Canada. It turned out to be a trip that literally changed my life. I was going through a separation at the time and the unconditional love Bob's family bestowed on me and the group of friends who came left an indelible imprint on my life. He taught me how to say yes. It changed how I healed. It changed what kind of parents I wanted to be. It changed how I wanted to have an impact on the people God brought into my life. Bob was in town recently speaking at a conference, and we caught up in the lobby of his hotel to talk. I only mentioned the setting because you're going to hear the background noise. What you're about to hear is my conversation, my friend and hero, Bob Goff. How have you been since Everybody Always? Yeah, that uh, that came out in May, and uh, it's been busy. But it, life's always been—it's always felt busy, but in a good way. Uh, uh, but I felt super uh, intentional about what I'm doing. I think that's been one of the things the last number You've of years. Been intentional about what you're doing, though. Yeah, but that's actually good. Uh, we were uh, visiting a little bit earlier about that idea—the hallmark of a seven. Like on the surface, it looks like just yippy skippy and whatever and all that. But underneath that yeah. is a whole lot of intentionality. I, I, I think that's the thing that people probably are surprised the most about you when they hear about you and they see the, maybe the online, you know, version of you, and then they read your books or hear more of your story. There's absolutely this intentionality to it. I mean, you know how you, I mean, you teach through story. I mean, you kind of reveal these greater truths of how we should live our lives with intentionality and whimsy, but intentional whimsy. And, um, I think that's one of the things that, has impacted me the most about you is that it the whimsy is unusual in this like very difficult go 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 world that somebody is as intentional about whimsy as you are but there's this underlying like razor sharp kind of purposefulness to it all yeah i'm gonna say it reads like forrest gump yeah. like this thing just kind of happened but it's actually a little bit more patch adams that there was a purposefulness behind that. Yeah, a flexibility and a childlike excitement about like, wow, I've just like, there's so many alternate endings and many of those are all tied for first. The thing that always confused me is that the Love Does guy was this incredibly successful lawyer. Yeah, (laughs) it's not funny. (laughs) Like, just getting to meet you over the last few years Uh, and know you, like, it just... 
there's got to be this other part of your life. I mean, you couldn't have been like this when you were practicing law. You know, you actually can, and it's it's really good advocacy. I meet uh, sometimes these young bucks, and uh, they've got usually really high bar numbers because they just passed, and they think they need to cop this big attitude. And you can have all the attitude you want, just needs to be the attitude of Christ. You know, that, that idea that you'd be humble and fun and communicative and sometimes getting a chip on your shoulder is not very good advocacy because I want to make people like that lose. Don't you? I mean, I don't want to see evil prosper. So what if you just wouldn't let honey melt in your mouth? It just, it doesn't mean that you're going soft on crime. You just go big on Jesus and you have this uh, overarching hope. You've got some bigger stuff happening. I would say that for anybody listening to just say, have something bigger going on than what you're just doing. So that you find yourself talking about and thinking about the bigger thing. But how did you balance that in the day to day? Because I would think practicing law and, and litigating and doing trials and like, I mean, you are trying, I mean, you are, I need to win because good needs to be bad. And like, how do you keep your optimism? How do you keep your hope? I think I've surrounded myself with people, you know, you, a handful of friends, that are all looking towards the horizon. We're not overlooking all the difficulties between here and there, but we see this bright hope on the horizon. And so even when we've gone through difficulties, I mean, you know, our home burnt to the ground a couple of years ago, and that was a bad day. But while I was sad about it, I wasn't stuck about it. That was a bad day. Yeah. I mean, that was the most, you know, that was a bad day, but. Yeah, you were. We, we actually had these mice that we couldn't get rid of. That was my third thought. Are you serious? <laughs> Die. Oh, they're gone now. <laughs> they probably the only one that escaped the fire. And then as soon as I rebuild it, they'll run back in. I I grieved when I heard that the house was lost because my life was changed at that house. You it's know, a really special place in that Celtic tradition when they talk about thin spots. That was definitely one for me. And the cadence, uh, and I would say for each of us, we find a cadence that works. And for me, it's like nine months, Mach 5, hair on fire. And then three months, I just go up to the lodge and chill out. I write some words, uh, misspell them, I grade roads, I do this. So that's the place to kind of collect my thoughts and rejuvenate. How long have you been Working on that land. A quarter of a century. Isn't that crazy? It makes me feel like the crypt keeper. You were in your yeah. 30s, right? Yeah. Early 30s. Yeah. I found this land and I was actually up there with the family. We got a little boat and we were uh, just corking around because we decided we were going to spend, be super intentional and spend three months a year with our kids. And so we would just get a little boat and, uh, you know, anchor out of these places. And there's this beautiful inlet. It's called the Princess Louisa Inlet. And all of these helicopters started coming in to log it. It was like all the worst parts of Fern Gully. And I was like so mortified. Like this is like, it would be like logging Yosemite. Hmm. And so I got a hold of the people that own all the land there. And I just told them I'd buy it off them. <laughs> so what we did, I couldn't afford it. But I was practicing law, so every time something happy happened, I bought 100 acres. And I did that for the next two decades. Um, the, the thing that, like, w- when I was up there, it's so beautiful and impressive and developed. I mean, it's like, it look, it's the finished product, right? And, and it's never a finished product, but I mean, it's beautiful. And, and it's one of these things, I was talking to one of your friends who was up there, and, I, and we were both trying to figure out how much it would cost to build this, like, from scratch today. And... Um, and I was like, it was such an like enormous, overwhelming type of a number. I thought, man, like, can you imagine? And, and, and 
but talking to you about it, it was like, no, 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 I was young and I had this vision of the life we wanted to have. And no, I got land if I could afford it. And then a few years later, we like took dynamite and leveled an area where we would one day build a little cabin and then we would build this. And then over the years, and it wasn't like one big fell swoop. It was in- intentional incremental steps throughout decades. And then look at where we're at. I mean, that's such a, an, an amazing thing. I, it challenged me to do the same for my life. Every summer I'm looking for like land and things. Like I, I haven't found it yet, but I was like, I don't need to find a house. I don't need whatever. I just want land where a kid can like climb a tree and fall out and break his arm and figure things out. And just like a kid needs that, you know, yes. and that time that we can get away. And then maybe one day I could put a little cabin on it. And one day, like I, I had the same dream and it could be a place of rest and in a place of, of connection for friends. and Yes, it was always, even in scripture, it's always about people and places, like Jesus of Nazareth and Saul of Tarsus. And it's always people and places. And I would say Bob of Lodge. <laughs> you know, just like I'm the first burned down lodge on the right when you go up there. Uh, but it's still a really special <laughs> place to me. One thing that I learned uh, in this process, the first time uh, that we built it, uh, we made this immense roll of plans about what we were going to build. And then we tried to find a place to fit our plans. And because it's all granite, I mean, that just is a really uh, wrong way to build because we had to blast all this granite out to fit my big plans. And now what we do when we're going to build a building, we just blow up the biggest flat spot we can. And then we make our plans that'll fit the spot we got. And I would say that is, would be a great kind of lesson for me and maybe some others to just say, what are your capabilities? What are the opportunities that you have and where your capabilities and your opportunities meet? If it's something that's lasting, I would say make the biggest flat spot you can and then figure out what God will build on it. That uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, you don't need a scripture verse for everything, but like that idea that like he's got some plans, our job, make big flat spots. Places where people can arrive, people can get some rest, where we can get some rest. You are very sentimental from what I can tell. Oh, I'm, yes. And exactly. at the house, one of the things that grieved me thinking about and praying for you and your family in that season a couple of years ago <clears throat> was I remember the, the display case of all the knickknacks and the mementos of the family memories over the years. Yes. And the idea of losing that. Oh, man, how that did, stinks. How has your family... <clears throat> And you kind of navigated grieving, losing a, what was, and then pivot toward dreaming up a new home for a new future. Like, how have you handled that process? Yeah, you know, we're all so wonderfully different. So sweet Maria, you know her well, and she's super tender hearted. Yeah. And so uh, when the lodge burned down, this just like took her out. And so we went to some good friends at OnSite and uh, some trusted voices. Uh, and uh, she did the work that she needed to do to talk about, like, you know, what was it about that place that made her feel safe? And what did this feel like to have that taken away from her? Yeah, and then I'm wired a little bit differently. You know, I just very sad that it happened. But my uh, self medication for sadness is activity. So I just got busy, and that's uh, that's actually a good thing if you want to get something else built. So, but just I would say be authentic with your sadness. Don't avoid that. But I wouldn't camp out there. That's the easy thing for me too. Is like going through something that's hard. It's like okay, I'll just distract myself with busyness and not actually like deal with 
loss or deal with whatever, it's immediately I switch. Like if somebody, we have a small team at Relevant and and it means a lot to me when people join our team and like you're buying into helping me achieve a dream I have and that means a lot. So then when they leave, it's equally hard. And I, and I have, I, when I'm unhealthy, I find myself when they walk in and I know, I know if it's 5.30 on a Friday and somebody says, can I talk to you? <laughs> I know what's coming. And I immediately, while they're talking to me, am thinking about posting the listing, finding the next thing, moving, moving forward. And, and I need to actually stop and not do that. I would probably to a fault do like immediately start drawing up the next plans. Yes. And, not, and if you access that very easily, as many of the people that would listen uh, to the relevant podcast do, they access their energized, go for it yeah. people. And to slow the cadence down a little bit, it kind of like spelunking when you're going down the cave, you turn on the headlight to see what's down there. Uh, Cause you don't get down to the bottom of the cave very often. And so that was actually a really good uh, thing for Marie and I to do together. Together. Yeah. And not to rush out. Uh, that's the thing about me. I keep putting everything in the microwave and Jesus keeps putting it back in the crock pot. <laughs> right. I want to like speed it up. Like, are we happy now? Like, how do we get back to happy? What's you, the shortest distance? And it's actually, that isn't as helpful as you would think. Right. Um, so and, how have you slowed it down? Like, how do you embrace it while continuing to move forward? Well, we just didn't talk about it for more than a year. Like, we've just never spoke of it. Now, I was busy getting building plans sure. and, and uh, you know, moving rocks and getting excavators and doing all that. But we just didn't talk about it because it just wasn't the right season for that. But then when it was as the, and it happens all of us, you just find these things that were very raw at one point, you can get a little bit more authentic. And we got where we wouldn't be choked up talking about it. Um, and we grieved it with the family, but we said, we're not going to camp out here. We're going to get busy, but we're just going to kind of go periscope down and I'll probably make, be making some moves uh, to pushing ahead. Uh, and now we're, uh, we're stacking some logs. Yeah, I, I I saw some pictures recently, and it's like so exciting because it felt like the lodge. It felt like home. But like, yeah, it's like seeing an old friend. I'm yeah. like, oh, you look an old friend with great. a facelift. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a facelift. <laughs> you're updated. I like it. And now it's like it's fun too because you're about to become grandparents. Yeah, is and that so now cool it's almost what? like a new era, new generation. Middle of February, give or take one contraction. I am so ready to be a grandpa. And so you'd just say it's each uh, season of your life. So what would change? And you know, I've always talked about being available to the family. Like that would be what I would want to be remembered for. Um, I would just be that guy. And so we're just saying no to a lot more things. And um, and that will make me available. I just said no to a thing 15 minutes ago, which would have been something that would have been uh, a real opportunity before. I think it's the largest something somewhere. <laughs> Do you feel, you feel like you're shifting? You know why I said no? I'm what? taking a baby CPR class. I'm going to learn how to do on some lo- like rubber like baby uh, mannequin. I remember that class. Yeah, yeah. So I'm taking that class. And so it was this beautiful moment. <laughs> I got this phone call from someone I respect a lot. And he's got a great big thing. And uh, and he said, will you uh, come and uh, do Saturday and Sunday? And, uh, and I said, actually, I'm going to learn how to do CPR for this little baby that's going <laughs> to arrive in February. Now, old Bob would have said, I'll see you there. Uh, and change things. But new Bob, and I'm just trying to carve this new little groove in my brain 
Um, this idea that if you don't set your priorities, somebody else will. And it's not because they have bad intentions. You just need to know why you're doing what you're doing. And I need to kind of get off the crack of busyness and, and being around people, which I love, right. and just say, I decided I'm going to do this. This is a great opportunity to not move that and to say I'm actually unavailable. The, the, one of the things that you've implanted in my life, and, and we met when I was going through a hard season five years ago, and you pushed me to say yes. And I was not in the season of saying no per se, but I had kind of built up my own little cocooned life, you know, and just, I don't know that it was, I, I didn't have really margin to say yes to anything. And you made me say yes to jumping off of cliffs. And yeah, I remember that. Things and, you did that like a boss too. <laughs> it was pretty high. Well, you, uh, I, it's just one of those things that like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I die. Okay. Well, I'll be with Jesus. I'm sorry. Um, and just kind of like let go of control a little bit, I think. Uh, and, and what's interesting though, is even hearing you talk right now, it's like, that's almost like a pendulum swing. And I'm like all in or all out. Or I'm all healthy or I'm all unhealthy. I'm like, that's my personality. Yeah. And so like finding that balance of saying yes, having margin to say yes, when God says say yes yes but but protecting the margin by saying no and sometimes this thing about balance can be a little bit uh elusive as well i felt like in my 30s i spent so much time trying to find balance in my life that i tipped over (laughs) it was just it was all so inward focused instead of saying i've got a direction i don't know the destination but i've got this direction i'm moving and I'm just going to trust myself and the people around me that will put in place some of the circuit breakers we need uh, that will trip at the right time. So, but so Marie and I, we don't talk about where I go. Like uh, you and I are sitting in Florida right now. Unless she looks on Instagram and somebody puts something on there, <laughs> we just decided we're not going to talk about uh, like uh, locations. What we're going to talk about is while we're wherever we are, we're just going to talk about life and all that. So we'll talk a dozen times a day, just about that. And then I just, everybody knows I'm on my way home. Wow. I remember I've run into you a few places around the country and you were always like there briefly because you were always on your way home. Yeah. Like I want to be home for dinner and you would fly across the country to have dinner and then the next day fly out to go to the next thing. And that you're so intentional about, about her and about family and and prioritizing that tangibly in your life, you know, not being gone for long periods of time. And- Yet you can be uh, aware and then uh, sometimes the things that uh, where there's an opportunity, it'll be across an ocean. It'll be far away. And so um, you could just see for each person that's listening, you just put out this timeline of your life. Like I'm going to be 60 this year and I'm just stoked about that. Um, but I would say like, you know, I don't know how much time I have that I'm going to be at this level of active. And so the things that are far away, I'm going to try to get those things spun up now. Hmm. We've started a girls' school in Afghanistan. That would be a great thing to start out now rather than 20 years from now. Uh, not only because geopolitically it would be a smart thing to have something going, but to to say, well, just for my own projection of I'm going to have grandkids and all that. I don't want to be around. Why don't I hustle now and make all those trips? So you're mindful of like the trajectory of life and the rhythm of life. Yes. Because I, I honestly like starting a business. I had the idea for relevant. I was a sophomore in college, pursued, pursue, pursue. Eight years later, we launched the magazine. 
And I look up and I still feel like we're hustling. We're still just starting. And it's been almost 20 years. Like I'm 42 now. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, I lost context of like decades were starting to go by. And I'm always working on what's next and where, where we're going. And, and I just lost, I don't think in terms of spans of life or like, okay, I'm in my 40s. I should be doing this because I want my 50s to look like, I don't think like that. It's just like, go. And the beautiful part of that, there's like a front side and a back side every wave. So uh-huh. the front side of that, which is just beautiful, is that you're just fully present. You're where your feet are. Uh, you're in the moment. And then I would say the back side of that is that there might be things out in front that you could start adjusting. I know you well enough that the things that you love the most, you've been super intentional about yeah. as well. And that's what gives me a ton of confidence. You got a lot of front wave there. Okay. Uh, going. I see the way that you love the people that are most important to you, the moves that you make in your life yeah. to make that happen. So I'm not just blowing sunshine at you. I just think what friends do is we hold mirrors up to each other yeah. and they say, this is actually what I see in your camera. And I've seen you talk about what your aspirations are and I've seen you do those things. And what I'm saying for me is like, and for everybody listening, what's your next version of you? Right. Like, tell me who you plus 10 is. They tell me about that, who that man or woman is. So at 70, I hope I'm still jumping motorcycles. But uh, if I'm not, I'm going to fill that between now and then with a ton of like family and giving these kids availability. You, you can't de- tall decide how tall or short you're going to be, but you can decide how available you be. Okay, I'm 42. So I'm trailing you by a couple decades almost. What do I need to know? What do I need to be looking at? What do I need to be doing? Because you were you went from like career guy to Bob Goff. And like I it's a path that like a lot of us want to follow your example. And I remember one time you told me like fives need to invest in threes. So if, if you're in your 50s, invest in people in your 30s. If you're fours, invest in twos, threes, invest in teens. And I and I've been thinking about that. Like I'm 40 now. Like I can I need to like Im, invest in and raise up people following me and I need to lead and pour into them. So, okay, tell me, what do I need to be focusing on in this next decade? Yeah, I would think to surround yourself um, with with people who will uh, speak into the things that you've decided you're hoping for. And so let me tell you what I mean by that. Like, it's easy to hope for other people. Sometimes it's harder for it to hope things for yourself because you feel like you're being selfish yeah, or 100%. whatever. But you could be hoping for some beautiful things like to happen in your family. But I would say, what's something you're hoping to happen in your life that would make something beautiful happen in your family? So to have that moment of pause to say, why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I actually hoping for? Mm-hmm. And then what are the things that I need to do to get there? And it's so like kind of intuitive for all of us, but most of us don't have the intentionality to sit down to say, like, what am I hoping for? It, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, like, uh, faith is confidence in what you're hoping for, mm-hmm. assurance in what you haven't seen. I would say that would describe most of us in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. I'll tell you, that'll probably define me in my 60s confident in what I'm hoping for. I want to know what I'm hoping for. And what I was hoping for is grandkids. And then evidently one's going to be delivered (laughs) (laughs) like dominoes. Like it's just going to arrive. And I think I don't want to miss the opportunity that comes with that. When you're hoping for something and when there's an opportunity, oh, snag that thing. Because if you don't grab it right there, it's going to be like this dog that runs across the field. You'll whistle and never come back. 
So where there's a hoping for something and then you have an opportunity. Oh, I'll give you a great example. I was uh, at a thing in London and uh, the uh, I knew I was going to be there May 14th. So I wrote to the Queen and I said, I'm going to be in London on the 14th. If you're in London on the 14th, I mean, we should hang out. And one of her ladies in waiting wrote back to me, <laughs> like, lady, what are you waiting for? And she said, the queen is so disappointed. She can't meet the, I'm sure it just tore all up. But it cost me a, uh, an envelope and a buck of postage. I mean, like, do that right. Get your kids. It'll take you five seconds to get her address, Buckingham Palace, uh, off the internet. Write the letter. And just say, like, I was hoping for, I wasn't disappointed when she said no, because I had four other things going on. And so I would say the people that I've uh, seen that aren't just engaged in distractions, Mm -hmm. but they, along the way, they're hoping for things. Like, you'll just say, like, let's see if that might work. Let's see if a school for girls that the Taliban say can't learn how to read, let's go open up a girls' school, see what'll happen. How is that going? It's going terrific because all of the, it's going great because the tribal leaders in the area have all folded their arms on their chest and said, our girls will get to learn how to read. Is that awesome or what? I just love that. And who knew? Has it been attacked or anything by, by the Taliban? <laughs> Not yet. Our office took a little hit, but... But there's something really uh, beautiful about when there's a setback, not to camp out there and not to be afraid, but to just double check, to say, is this something I'm still hoping for? Is this something worth all the effort? And if it is, then yes. If it's a person that you want a relationship with, go pursue that with gusto. Don't be creepy and get a restraining order. But just to say, <laughs> I'm hoping, let him know, you do the least creepiest most effective version of that. Yeah, the, the, a lot of your stories from Love Does about <laughs> pursuing Sweet Marie. <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm still pursuing her. It's 32 and a half years later. Yeah. I take a little while to warm up to. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I'm, it's just, it's watching your life from afar and from the books and, and things that you share, like, you know, it seems like your life has been this larger than life uh, adventure and and everybody says like they, you know, they like aspire to it and they don't realize the sacrifice and the pain along the way. You know, they just get the the fun version in their head. I, I see I see this a lot with like, you know, younger people hitting me up going, you are going to change the world. And it's like, OK, that's great. And then, you know, they hit me up kind of like wanting a shortcut, you know, of like, OK, this is what I'm going to do. And now you need to hand it to me. You know, it's just like. Well, no, no, no. Like, you know, are they, oh, you, you did relevant. So tell me how to do it. You know, like, well, I mean, I, for, I mean, from the day I had the vision for the magazine to the day it existed was eight years. I mean, and then that was 16 years ago and we're still figuring it out. You know I mean? It's like, there's no shortcut here. And people look at your story and they go, well, I want to be that. And I want to be successful like Bob. And I want to be generous like Bob. And I want to be whatever, but they don't realize the personal pain and toll and sacrifice that it really takes, you know? I think so long as we can remain authentic, like those are beautiful ambitions that people have. They go, I see this thing. I want to move in that direction. Uh, But to just stay authentic enough to say, and self-aware enough to know one thing about me is that I get uh, really lonely when I'm going and people would say like, but you're the balloon guy. Like you're the happy guy. Like you don't, like you, you're always like in a ball pit somewhere or covered in balloons. 
And while I'm super engaged to be self-aware enough to go like, no, that actually, if I'm sitting in a hotel room here or somewhere far away, that that's actually kind of, you feel really isolated. Uh, Some of us can feel like in a large crowd of people, you can feel like the only person there. Have you ever had that experience? Oh, I can't. We just feel like so isolated and there's nobody's doing that to you. It's just like, it's just a... It's a state of mind. And so I'm not trying to run from that, but to understand that and to say, so what are the next beautiful steps forward? I have this idea of the person I could be and how do I deal with that? And part of it is getting real with it and having a couple friends you can talk to about it. I, it's, it's like people, that, okay, well, he's on stage and everybody loves him and whatever, and not realizing that it is lonely. You know, you're there and everybody there feels like they know you because your story is out there and they want to connect with you and you are a large personality and you give to others selflessly. And then you go back to your hotel room and you're alone. I can't, I can't imagine how hard that would be, you know, and the people, people only see the stage part of it and go, Oh, that's great. I want to be like that. And they realize, no, there's a sacrifice that that takes. And I think people get, when they realize sacrifice is required or the pain that's required to do the thing, like then they get discouraged. They give up on it. They give up on the dream because they. Yeah, that they would realize. be the message to the person that ha- is listening. They've had this dream that's been cultivating inside their heart for decades, and then they finally get up the courage to ask somebody. And Billy says no, and then they said, "God shut the door." I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> the only thing that happened in that transaction is that Billy said no, and I would just check some return addresses and say, "Where's that coming from?" where you could get off the scent that easily. Right. You have this beautiful thing. It's a hope and ambition. Jeff, tell everybody what your ambition is and then go after it to say, is there anything I can do to move that forward? I wouldn't make a list. I'd make a phone call. I wouldn't say there's a difference between preparing and mm. being ready. The one thing that I would say that is typical of sevens like you and I is that we're ready. We're not spending all of our time preparing to get ready. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that happens along the way, Mm -hmm. uh, but we're ready to go. So if somebody says, can we do this thing? I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Or if you say no, you know why you said no. I'm going to learn baby CPR. Uh, And so there's something. It's this taking this little groove in your brain and then going Grand Canyon with it. And then repeating these things, having these beautiful patterns that replace some of the older patterns. If you're feeling isolated, call a trusted friend to say, I know this sounds like really weird. I'm not in a crisis. I'm just feeling really isolated. I think if uh, 747s were falling out of the sky as fast as our friends, they'd ground the whole fleet and they'd Mm -hmm. say, what's the deal? Hmm. Right. They would say. And I think what happens is that these people are living in isolation and they're not calling people to say, I'm just feeling really alone in this thing. And you, you can be as bubbly as you want, but that's where it gets good. That's where you start carving the groove. That's where you go Grand Canyon. And so if you're listening, take your big ambition. You'll know you're talking to the right person because they won't try to fix you and they won't try to tell you what to do with your ambition. They'll just be so delighted in that they'll ask you, what's your next step? Mm. What are the things that you're going to do? And is there any way I can be helpful? Mm. Um, I think if we change that to say just delighting in one, one another and then saying, is there something I can help you do? If a friend calls and they need some help, I'm like, I'm in. If it's within my power to do it, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. How do you recharge? Well, one thing is the time up at the lodge and as tedious as it is. To- so, so for the nine months, you, 
you go because you know the three months is coming. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's uh, seven days a week. Yeah. If I if there are six days that I'm not speaking somewhere, I'm in Afghanistan. And you and you put hard boundaries on the summer on the on the yeah, totally. on the recharge season. Yeah. Now during the summer, we do include people like good guys, bad guys, and undecided. So we'll bring some people <laughs> that seem like they're a little on the edge of like going good or bad. Uh, and they oftentimes will be from a different country and they're affecting millions of lives. And so like that would be a great way to spend a couple of days yeah. uh, to have them come up and just walk through some waterfalls and yeah. talk a little bit, bring one of their adversaries up with them. And if you're like, if you have a reputation for being Switzerland, you just don't have all these attitudes. And the underlying idea is I don't want people to meet my opinions. I want them to meet Jesus. Mm. Um, and we can meet them by not making everything a Bible study. Mm -hmm. Like literally just like, just chill out. Just be, everything isn't a teachable moment. Just be with people. And that's a great place for me to do that. Uh, and I think it, as I look like next, Bob, uh, I'll spend more and more time up there. Now, in the day-to-day, -day, how do you recharge? In the nine months where it's go, go, go? Yeah, what I'll do is, for instance, today I had a little bit of time. So uh, first I uh, uh, respond to everybody that's reached out to me. And then I spend some time on my on myself saying, what are the things I'm curious about? What can I do to push it forward? And so I have a couple things every day that I'm curious about, and I push those forward. I don't <laughs> make lists and lists and lists. I make calls and calls and calls. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I say, is there an opportunity? And is that something that matches a capability? Like I know how to write books. And so I spend part of the day, like just riffing on that. I just write sentences and every once in a while a paragraph and every once in a while those turn into chapters. Uh, but I'll just kind of catch these experiences. Like they come by when something happens. I actually want to think about that. I had something kind of funny happen every year when we're going to the lodge, we, uh, I, I get this old suburban of ours. I put the trailer on the end and I'm always hauling up a bunch of stuff. And so have you ever had it happen where you uh, don't remember if you turned off the oven or locked the door or whatever? Well, I'm about a hundred miles up the highway and I couldn't remember putting a latch on the trailer. <laughs> And I didn't hit the brakes. I pumped the brakes. I got off the side camera. The trailer wasn't latched. Now, it looked like it was connected to the car, but I was one bump in the road yeah, away from having that thing pass me in the fast lane. And I think <laughs> that's a great kind of cautionary tale for each of us. We can look like we're hooked up without being hooked up. And so that idea of whatever version of self-care, whatever it is that gets you centered, whatever it is that fuels your joy, like make some time to put a latch on it. I, I, I feel like in even last year, I like I took on too much. And I've, I spread myself too thin and, and a, a couple of the plates that I had spinning fell, you know, and I, and I, but I felt like, and I was even conscious of it in the midst of it all. Like my day to day was just trying to keep all the plates spinning. And, and, and I wasn't, I didn't have the margin for the recharge for the self-care for the whatever it was just like i was almost like it was just too much and i i learned the hard way i learned that boundary you know that like okay this is how many plates i can spin well and i need to stop at that number and if i if i want to take on a new plate i need to get a plate off of there yeah. you know and maybe having a friend instead of telling you what to do uh, they just remind you of who you are 
Yeah. Like you're that guy that makes time for people. Yeah. And that reminds you, it isn't like this kind of reverse psychology. Uh, like Maria saying, you love to do dishes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but one of the things to have people that uh, remind you of your playfulness and they remind you of your spontaneity yeah. and they remind you like holding the mirror up. And if we had a couple people that were just good at that in our lives to just remind us, then I have so much confidence in God to blow the wind into our sails, to have these opportunities pop up and every opportunity won't be for you. Uh, but it doesn't have to feel like we don't have to live our life like whack-a-mole. Like yeah. Where all this stuff's coming at us. You could just chill out. The, the the seasons of my life where I felt like this past year, it was when like, well, this is going well. So then people are saying, well, we should do more of it. And you go, oh, okay. And I learned the hard way that I'm not happy when relevant is too big like even just as like a team size there's a certain size that i thrive and there's a certain size where i i I get lost in operational oversight and i just don't like that so this year at the end of the year we pulled back you know like we shut some things down and i was like thinking about the life i want to have i want to have margin for people i don't want to have to just keep fueling this machine because that's what somebody told me or we should be doing i know no, nobody said I have to do that. So relevant, I want it to be this size. Now, I want to go change the world, but I don't. I want to do it with this many people. And we're just going to do what this many people can do well. I don't want to just keep chasing every good business idea. Yeah. And I, then I can go home at night and be present and not be, you know, just trying to keep my head above water with all that's on my plate, you know? Yeah. And like, that's the life I want. And if you've been, the benefit of being around the sun a couple of times is that you've experience these things they look like either familiar friends or uh like kind of protagonists mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like actually i don't i don't want to do that anymore because i've tried that a couple times it hasn't been the outcome that i was looking for uh-huh. and so to do that but being receptive to these other opportunities that come your way and then and then living in constant anticipation i would say that would be a great way for a leader to approach the day, living in anticipation of what might be possible. Um, what what's going to happen? There's a great when the uh, lodge burned down, there was a Japanese poet from the 1800s, and he said this, the barn burned down, now I can see the moon. <laughs> now, I'm still pretty bummed my barn burned down, but actually uh, uh, the idea of like, what are the possibilities now? Did what you hide th- anything in the walls this time? Yeah, totally. Are you kidding me? I mean, I was up there when you were building the chapel and we hid some stuff in the walls. Yes. Before the yes. walls went up. Isn't that great? Like everything should have tradition. I've got things geocached all over the place. I've got like, yeah. But just being super intentional, both now and for the future, for the people that you love, leave them a couple surprises. You won't always be around. But these things, having a longer view of my life doesn't make my life feel insignificant. It just drives me back towards purpose. Like, so... What are the things that I can accomplish where I do have an opportunity and a capability? Um, but not every capability is that I've got, I think I'm licensed to be a lawyer in five states. But just because I'm capable of doing that, it doesn't mean I'm called to do that. And so, as, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. It costs $100 a year to keep your license active. I'm like, dude, that's like 15 Starbucks. I'm yeah. like, I'm out. So I just, I, I canceled them. I said, I'm not interested. And they, the bar like makes you like check. You feel like you realize like if you wanted to do this, you'd have to start with the bar exam all over. I'm like, hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done. I'm gonna be tickling grandkids. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, 
I, I just, you know, I, I know you have to go here in a minute. And so I just, I just want to thank you for this. It was funny. We saw each other last night for dinner and you were talking about how you approach your days. And what I know about you is you don't look ahead. You don't look at your planner tomorrow and all stuff. And, and I knew that I was hoping to get to do this with you. And um, especially after we were talking at dinner, I was like, oh man, I need to talk to Bob for the podcast. That'd be so much fun. And um, I knew if I texted you probably this morning and said, hey, at like three today, do you, do you want to do this? You probably would have said no, because you don't know what you're going to be doing at three today. And maybe, maybe, or maybe not. And I thought if I text him and said, hey, in about half an hour, do you want right to do now? this right I now? If I'm on the way, you, you want to do it? You always get a yes And you said, that. yeah, let's do it. And I was like, I knew it. Because my team was like, well, they were trying to schedule me for stuff this afternoon. And I said, I think I'm going to interview Bob Goff this afternoon. And they're like, it's not on your calendar. I said, well, it's not on his either, but I'm going to call him around one o'clock. <laughs> Isn't that great? What if we all, among the action items from this, like this idea of just not scheduling so many things. And yeah. the crazy part is you'll be just available to all these beautiful opportunities that I, come I, by. I, I found that like trying to be more intentional about like putting rails on work to protect other areas um, that I'm way more productive at work. Isn't that crazy? You know, and it's like, because I think before when I would just let it overtake time, uh, I wasn't, I don't know. I was just like, it was just like this. If you're looking at the task list of, of rebuilding your home, it's almost overwhelming. But if you take it day by day, if you take it little chunk by little chunk, it's just like there's momentum that happens. Yeah, box of nails. I can do a box of nails. Right. And that's what <laughs> I've been doing with my schedule. And it's like I, I have walked out of work since, okay, I took pretty much all the holidays off, which I've never done before. I just, I was in town. Oh, good for I you. I just was home and with my son. And we were, we had friends who came and stayed with us who were going through some hard seasons and we just were able to serve them. And I didn't work and we were open. People were working. And then I came back and hit it hard. And I'm telling you, and, but I'm going home earlier and I'm kind of, I've got these tighter boundaries on it and I've been more productive in less time. And then I come home and I have seen every sunset and, you know, I'm there and I'm with my son and we're fishing on the dock because I'm not at work, you know? And, and like, we're doing that every day and I'm finding this balance that I've never known before. It's only been a month. That's just beautiful. And then just jot these things down as you're thinking about these, because these are the things that your great grandkids are going to want to read all about. You don't have to be an author, but find the things that light you up, that have worked. If you're finding your scheduling stuff, which is actually, I've just been deferring stuff. It wasn't important enough to do right now. So I scheduled it for later. I was actually deferring it. Uh I just say, lose it. Get out the eraser. Lose the day timer. Like if, if, but if those things are working for you, then beautiful. You'll know they're working for you because you'll see that they're working for the people around you and go home and write to the queen, get that letter. Your son is going to love it when he gets this Buckingham palace letterhead <laughs> back and then say that that will beat out everything on the schedule. Cause if you get a yes, you're not going to yes, miss out on that. That's true. And so have I'll these, be in London in May. So I'll hit her these, up about May. Totally have these bigger ambitions. Okay. Bigger ones than the ones that are right in front of you. If you run a law firm, have something bigger than that. If you run a media company, something bigger. If you speak at places, have something bigger than that. And then just get as specific as you can hmm. about what it is. Don't say my big ambition is to be happy uh, because that's a terrific ambition, but I would say just define happy. Like I'm going to, hug four elderly men each day. I'm going to 
I'm going to uh, do four things nicer. If the more specific you get about that, then you'll know if you're moving towards that and change. If, if as you change and grow, have those things change. And you too. personally, this is back to giving me, giving me tips. You personally write these things down. Oh yeah, totally. I wake up. I'm not a writer down. I need to write down. Minor loud times. Okay. <laughs> and I say, I don't have to do lists. I, because that uh, feels like just more lists. That feels like just preparing. It's like you're trapped or something. Hey, and if to-do lists blow your hair back, go for it. Whatever it is that's working for you. Uh, but for me, it's these ambitions. Who's the guy I want to be? Don't talk about career. Talk about your character. Tell me the guy I want to be, and then what are the things between here and there to get there? And I love that the, we can do it with our people that are close by, and we could do it with people far away. So maybe for your listeners to say, what is something completely unreasonable that something you've been hoping for but you thought there's just no way make the biggest flat spot you can on that get a latch on your faith get a latch on what it is that you really want to be about and then make the next move we just got back from uh, afghanistan we invited 130 afghan leaders to meet with us from every province and they came like, I would just so, say, aren't they like fighting with each other? Yes, that's the crazy part. <laughs> and so you, you would say that seems unreasonable until you do it. Do you know what they said? Hmm. Let's have 200 there next time. Their idea, not mine. They were the ones that reached out to say, what if we get more? And if you have this thing, forget going across an ocean. What dazzles God is when you go across the street. Yeah. So what is it right there in your community that you can make happen? Well, that's the thing. I think my whole life has been focused on trying to reach millions and change hearts and minds and change a generation or give voice to these big things. And where I found myself pivoting towards is I want to just pour into one or a few at my home and just be present. And it's not about what's out there. It's about what's right here, you know? And I think that, again, is one of the big things that that you've imprinted on me. You're a guy who has massive dreams to change the world and have, but it's about the one-on-one. It's about the few. And that's where like, I don't know, that was one of the biggest things that really has impacted me the last few years, honestly. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. This is a lot oh, of fun. So good. Just being in the blast radius of your kind of joy. <laughs> so thank you. And, awesome. uh, and we'll do it again real soon. Absolutely. Okay. That was Bob Goff. Make sure to check out his books, Love Does, Everybody Always, and his most recent, Love Does for Kids, which my son Cohen absolutely inhaled. Hey, if you like this episode of Unedited, I'd love your help spreading word about the show. Subscribing, rating, reviewing it on iTunes helps a ton, as well as sharing it on social media. And you won't want to miss our next episode when I'm joined by the founder of The Giving Keys, Caitlin Crosby. She's been an actress, a singer. And while trying to give back to causes she was passionate about, she ended up launching an unexpected jewelry empire. Her story is incredible. I'm Cameron Strang. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Relevant Podcast Network.